How many of y'all have seen that video at some point this week on Facebook or somewhere else? Ever seen it before? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty intense. When you look at a video like that, it makes you to consider, it makes you consider how well a house is built. How well is your house built? How are the houses built that are facing the the Hurricane Irma as it's coming in? And we've we've seen nothing but this, I'm sure, 24-7 lately on TV. You know, how is the foundation? How are the shingles? How are how are the windows? Any trees around the house? You just wonder how well is your house or a house gonna hold up in the midst of a storm. You know, Jesus didn't work for the Weather Channel, okay? Uh, he makes the weather, I guess you could say. But, you know, he shared a similar story and one that relates to our life this morning. We're going to look at this passage in Matthew chapter 7 here in a moment. And, and Jesus is, is sharing with us something that is, is very fundamental. All I need is the whole point of the sermon series, in a, in a way, is to come back to the fundamentals the things that we truly need the most to be able to grow as believers in Christ, to be the believers that he's called us to be. And we're going to look at a very key fundamental today. And this is the story that Jesus shares in relation to a storm or the storm that come against our lives. He says this, he says, Therefore, any, everyone who hears these words of mine, these words of mine, and puts them into practice, He's like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and a very firm foundation. And the rain came, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, and here's the because. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came and, and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. What kind of house are you living in right now? And I'm not talking about a, a physical house, okay? But what the house of your life, what is it built upon? What kind of house are you living in right now? You, do you have a sturdy foundation? What kind of foundation do you have? What kind of building materials, if you will, have you been using? The life that you are living, what is it constructed of? What is it built on? Because there's another passage that, that comes up in the New Testament as well that's pretty interesting that, that talks about our life being tested. Here Jesus talks about the very foundation being on being built on rock or being built on sand. But then later on in 1 Corinthians, we read about kind of the materials that are used. And it's talking about the church in general, but the church is made up of what? Of us. It's made up of people. And it says this in 1 Corinthians. He says, if anyone builds on this foundation, it's talking about Jesus, right? Using gold, silver, costly stones, or of course wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. When the Lord comes back, it'll bring everything to light, all the things that's hidden, how things are really put together in lives, okay? So it says it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. 
If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. It's kind of like being saved by the skin of your teeth, if you will. All right? Don't you know that you yourselves, is talking about the church, are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. And do not deceive yourselves if any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age. Wise by the standards of this age. Wise by the world's wisdom and the things that the common knowledge of the world teaches. Don't think that you really know anything if that's where your wisdom comes from. You should become fools, he says, so that you may become wise because what? The wisdom of God is upside down. It's different than what the world has to say. For the wisdom of this world is what? Say the word. Foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise, catches the wise in their craftiness. So there's this testing what kind of foundation is your life built upon? What kind of ingredients, if you will, what kind of building materials are going into your life? What are you building on on this foundation? The quality of our work, if you will, the quality of our life is tested at times. It's tested when the storms come. They don't always come when we think we're prepared for them either. But the, the work of our lives, if you will, is tested one of the things that I have been doing lately at home is trying to dedicate some time at least every Saturday to working on our house. One of the things we found out about our house being built in the earlier mid-80s is that there are a lot of issues, unfortunately, with our house. There is a lot of rotten wood. There are trees that are growing over the top of our house that we are praying, Lord, with the storm coming, with wind, and thankfully it's not going to be, at least in South Carolina, as bad as we thought. Lord, protect us from this. There's another tree in the backyard that's you can't even hug that is really tall that's been hit by lightning from another storm. If that falls, you know, all right. And, of course, we don't have the money to pay probably one grand for someone to climb the tree and to cut it down section by section. We don't have the money to replace, to call in someone to replace rotten wood on our house or shingles, or different things. And so I have been trying to, to be Mr. Handyman, and I've learned a lot since we've been in that house. But one of the things that's interesting is if you, you look at what happens, you're like, well, you see the quality of the craftsmanship of the people before you. And one of the things that happened that really kind of kicked this, you know, into place, there are moments that you decide, all right, enough's enough, right? It's time to do something. We've got to get our house in order. You ever use that phrase? Okay. Well, as we were outside working, there's a section of like board at the bottom of the house that runs along like a little trim board. And we'd seen for a while that it didn't look quite right. And basically, Diane's out there working and bumps the rake against it. And a section of it just falls off of the house. Section this big, that's just rotten. Okay. And Basically, the board had been rotten before the house, before we bought the house, and what they had done is they had just taken, a, if you know this term, they've taken some Bondo, 
and just took it and slapped a big, huge section of Bondo in there, thinking that, sure, that'll take care of it. But the quality of that work, the quality of that craftsmanship was tested, and it was found wanting. And that thing fell off, forcing me to learn how to get some board and put it up myself and cut some angles so that things fit together and it looks really nice, it's painted. Yay, there's one little small project out of the 90% that still remains. And so as we consider our lives, though, there are probably some areas, there are probably some aspects of our life that, that, you know, the foundation is on Christ, but the things that we're building upon that with are not always the best materials, the things we put into our life. And our life is often tested. We run into storms, we run into issues, and, and when we're faced with those issues in those moments, what our lives are really made out of comes out. You know, it's almost become a joke, it probably is right now, how often I talk about me driving around in traffic. That's like the bane of my existence that the Lord is using kind of as a, as a temperature gauge to see where Lance is this week. It's become worse because Diane said, I want you to change your schedule because I'm tired of being home for an hour waiting on you. Because she gets off at 5. But see, I wanted to be smart and avoid traffic as much as I could, and so my schedule was a 10 to 6 schedule. 6 o'clock, not so bad. There's a few boneheads on the road, but not like 5 o'clock. So because I love my wife, because I want to be with my wife, I changed my schedule and I went in early, but I am truly being put to the test coming home every day in 5 o'clock traffic. It's like Satan found out, the schedule got changed, and it's like there's been accidents almost like every stinking day. Then with the storm, there's more people coming into town for safety. And so, you know, what your life is built out of is coming to the test. And that's not always as, as dumb with some small things like traffic. It's, it's different temptations that arise in our lives. It's, it's the opportunity where we, we have the decision to make, should I do this or not do this? And, and you, you've made the wrong decision because that desire for this or that took over and you, you followed through with something that you should never have done. Sometimes we choose the world's foolish wisdom over God's true wisdom. We become a fool. We don't choose the real wisdom, the true wisdom that comes from the Word of God. Forget about things where the Word says that, that godliness with contentment, for example, is great gain. We think that the grass sometimes is greener on the other side, and you choose the other side, but then you have to live with how you got there. You know? For us, it's been overcoming we've, because of the class we've had of financial peace. For example, there's a bunch of debt. It was great living it while we lived it, but then now it's like, okay, that was foolish. This is something that has to, has to come through. We've got to <laughs> pull out some rotten wood, right? Some of us, as we think about our lives, and there are so many applications for this, some of us maybe don't have a, a crashed house, if you will, okay? that's fallen down because of foundation issues, but maybe it's a broken window. Maybe it's some rotten wood. Maybe it's some missing shingles. And how do we truly get to the point that we are building properly upon that foundation? 
And we go back to the fundamentals. We go back to things like we talked about last week, that prayer becomes a real strong aspect of our lives. That it's not just something we talk about in church and we say all the right things, but we're really praying. We're taking that seriously, and we're, we're praying without ceasing, and we're, we're carrying on a relationship with the Lord throughout the day that we, we never forget his presence among us. And then now, today, as we talk about this fundamental, we're talking about the Word of God. The Word of God, reading the Word of God. The Word of God is a living thing, too. We think about the very beginning in Genesis. In the beginning was the Word, it says, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But the word has also been given to us in a written form, too. We have Jesus in the flesh, but we have the word of God, the Bible, that will teach us about him, that shows us how to live, shows us the building materials, if you will, of life to live on. And we're going to look at that today. How do, we, how do we get back into the word? We talked about prayer. How do we pray? How do we get into the word? I want to talk about that. And I want to just offer up a few things. And the first one is, is that we need a renewed and proper respect for the Word of God. A renewed and a proper respect for the Word of God. There's so many things that we, we take for, for granted. And, and let's look at this for a second. So I said a moment ago in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. We talked about that. But what is it for? Second Timothy, just to bring you some of this, says that all Scripture is what? Is God, God breathed. And is useful for these things, for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. It, that's, that's a mouthful, teaching. This is, this is how you should live. Rebuking, that's, that's the, you know, what you're doing here is wrong, but it doesn't just tell you what's wrong. It's for correcting. It says, this is the wrong way, now here's the right way. And training in righteousness, right? Putting it all together so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We read in First Peter or Second Peter a couple weeks ago how we have everything that we need for life and for godliness. And so, you know, Lance facing the traffic, all of us facing different temptations, trials, issues when the storm comes. This is how to live. This is what the Word of God says. That's what it's for. It's written for instruction, Romans 15, 4. I'm just going to throw up some quick verses to you. It says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, that we might have hope. Continuing on, in Isaiah 55, 11, this is a great passage of Scripture you've probably heard before that says, and it was in our song, one of those worship songs this morning, Jesus says, so my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty or void, right? But it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word is powerful. We look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. We have a great example of that as well. It says the word of God is alive and active. When you look at the Word of God, when you, when you hold the Bible, when you're looking at it on your phone, this isn't just some other book, right? Not at all. It's living and active, sharper, it says, than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When you read the Word of God, it just... just gets to the, the sections of our soul, the aspects of our life where it says, this needs to change. 
gets in there, in the, in the, in the center of our conscience. There's a great verse that I hadn't heard in a while from Jeremiah 23, 29, talking again about the power of God's word. It says, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. God's word is creative. God's word is powerful. He said, let there be light and what? There was light. Let there be this. Let there be that. Boom, boom, boom. Just powerful. And then he has given us the word of God as, as well. We have some of his words, if you will, that are, that are encapsulated in a written form for us to know how to live. It's powerful. It's all these things. We need a renewed respect for that. But we really need a love for the word of God. We need a passion for it. We need a hunger for it, like we do for prayer as well. That it's something that we long for, something that we that we want to do. And, and we've probably had different times in our life where we've had a desire for it, we've had a passion for it. And I remember as a teenager in particular that I just just had that. And I just remember just reading the Bible from, from cover to cover. And that's all I would do when I got home from school. I did my homework. And I would just just pull it out, and I would just read and read and read. And I'd take it to actual study hall in school, and I'd read and read. And that's where they're looking at this dude in there then, compared to how he was, thinking, "Who is this guy? Something has changed." I had a hunger, I had a desire for it, and so we do need a love for the Word of God. In Proverbs chapter four, I'm giving you a bunch of scripture quickly today. It says this: "It says, my son, pay attention to what I say." Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. and Keep them within your heart. For their life to those who find them. And health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And in Psalm 19, excuse me, Psalm 19, 7 through 11, it's a great verse. It says, the law of the Lord is what? It's perfect. Refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving what? Giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Now, love this. They are more precious than gold. How precious are the things that God says to you? You know, I, I remember Diane and I were in, in some conversation, crazy conversation the other night. She started asking me about, like, high school girlfriends and stuff. I'm like, why are we talking about this? You know, I'm just a big flop when it comes to all that stuff until I finally, you know, think, you know, things are good now. But but I remember there was there was... <laughs> There was a, uh, when I was in New York, there was a group that came from Virginia, and they came and worked on, on our church there. This little barn turned into a church, so it needed help, you know. And there was a girl there that was a part of that group, and I remember falling in love. I had a crush, probably the proper term for this girl. Of course, she left and went back to Virginia, and I remember for a period of time, we sent letters back and forth to each other. And if you're head over heels and you've got a crush over someone, those letters that you have are really important, right? And I remember reading over those letters like over and over, and it's like, you know, it's like my, 
you know, my private stash, and I pull it out and read it, you know, because I really missed her, I really liked her a lot, and who knows when I was going to see her again because she's in Virginia. But those letters were precious to me. You ever had any of those letters? Hopefully you've thrown them all away now, okay? All right, and unless they're from your actual like, significant other. But, you know, those, that attitude, that idea of these words are precious to me, when it comes to the Word of God, they have to be even deeper than that. Look at what he says here. You know, it's got to go beyond the, the section where he said, you know, um, in, in John 3.16. It's got to go beyond this, this other section over here that we know. It's deeper. It's, it's, look at what he says here. There's a passion. There's a love. There's a, a hunger, a desire to read it over and over and over. Because one of the things that's interesting about the Word of God when you read it and when you study it, is that you see things that you've never seen before. You've probably heard this silly illustration, but I really believe it's a good one, and it's true. It's like an onion, okay? You you look at that onion, you read through the Bible the first time, and you see it, and you're like, wow. And then the next time you you read this particular book, it's like peeling off another layer, and it's a little deeper. You're like, man, I didn't catch that before. It's like peeling off another layer, and it gets deeper and deeper, and like, man, this is is intense. Because it's living, and it's active, and God speaks to us in new ways. It's like a reflection of, uh, it's like the facets of a diamond. You stand back and look at it. Yeah, it's a diamond, but you look up close. You see all these different facets and cuts and ways that it catches the light and, and stuff that God says that, man, you just, you're just overwhelmed by. We need a love. We need a passion for the Word of God. There are these people, just want to give an, an idea of how seriously they took the Word of God. They were instrumental in handing down the Word of God from generation after generation, and they made copies of the Bible. They were called the Masoretes. Anybody ever heard of the Masoretes? There's this stuff called the Masoretic Texts. And what they did was they they copied the Word of God, so there were more copies because they weren't printing presses back then, but they were very intense about it that there could not be not even one mistake in copying it. They were very laborious about how they went through it. This is a little thing I got from a website I just wanted to read to you to give you an idea. It says, the Masoretes developed a system of checks to ensure that every copy was as nearly perfect as humanly possible. To make certain they had not added or left out even a single letter, they counted the number of times each letter of the alphabet occurred in each book. So in the book of John, there's, you know, 865 letter A's. I mean, they knew all of that stuff. They noted and recorded the middle letter of the entire Old Testament. I'm not even sure I know what the middle letter of the Old Testament is. We have to look that up. They recorded the middle letter on each page and the number of letters and words in each column. They examined every copy of the Old Testament and withdrew from circulation all copies in which any error was discovered. I mean, it's to, to, to reproduce a copy of one book of the Old Testament had to have taken months, probably years. And then you got the, uh, the head Masoretic supervisor coming. He's like, I found right here that you didn't put the little swoop on the A. It's out. It's gone. <laughs> That's how serious they were about this. They've got rid of it. If it was not perfect, it was gone. They carefully copied Hebrew texts, 
these carefully copied Hebrew texts have remained virtually unchanged since about 600 to 700 AD. In 1947, the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls yielded copies from all the major sections of the Old Testament, except Ruth, dating back more than a century before Christ. When compared to these ancient copies, the Masoretic texts were found to be virtually identical. They had a passion for the Word of God. They treated it with respect. They knew what it was for, what it was about, how important that it is. What a great passion for the Word of God. A couple of things real quick, and I don't want to take up too much time with this, but when we think about the Word of God, I want, we need to understand its ability to guide, its ability to provide life. When you consider the weak that's ahead, when you consider really digging into the Word of God, I want you to look at a couple of these verses just to be reminded. It's a, it provides a lot of prosperity. Joshua 1.8 Look at this verse. It says, and they were commended, the, old, the Israelites in the Old Testament, in this point, it says to keep this book of the law always on your lips. That's, that's a good place to stop for a second. Always on your lips. Because you're always talking about it. You know? Look at what he said here. Look what he says there. Do you remember this part in the Word of God. It's one of the things that's really great about working at Oliver Gospel Mission. My boss is like that. Wayne's always talking about stuff. He's always uh, from Scripture. He's got scripture memorized. It's just on his lips. And we'll just have a discussion. When's the last time you've had a discussion, you know, not in a Bible study, about the Word of God? You know, we, Brad and I came in and we talked about the game last night, you know. But when's the last time you talked about the Word of God kind of like the game? You know, it's like it's just on your mind. It's on your lips. It's in your conscience. And you're like, man, you know, I was reading John the other night, blah, 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 blah. When's the last time you've done that? Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, it says, you will be prosperous and successful. Then the house is being built the way that it's supposed to be built. You know this verse pretty well. Psalm 119 says that your word is what? It's a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. In James 1.23, we, we beat this one in for a period of time. We went through the book of James where it says that anyone who listens to the word, of course, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. When we put it into action, we will be blessed if we live out what the Word of God has to say. Of course, Matthew is a great verse as well, 4-4, four, four, where Jesus is talking, right? And he says, and he is using this as a, a refute against the devil. And he says, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. He's going to something very substantial, to bread, right? We know how important bread is. Did you go into Walmart this week? I went to Walmart just to get a couple of things. Diane 
the day before, I was like, I want to get a couple things of water. So I got some water. I didn't, I've never gotten the bread. Maybe I'm really going to be in trouble tonight because of that. But I go into Walmart, and I look, and there's literally no bread at all. Zero bread. Nothing. I didn't even bother to look. It was just gone. The water aisle, except for a section when I did go to get water, just gone. But Jesus says, look, he goes to the issue of bread. Man shall not live on bread alone, right? That's a key thing, bread. Bread and water, like we're in prison, apparently. If we have bread and water, we're going to be okay. But he says, this is deeper than bread. This is more important than bread. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. When's the last time you considered that the word of God is more important than something like bread. When a storm's coming, what are people going for? They're going for the bread and the milk and the water. When the storm's coming, what are you going for? Are you going to the Word of God? Are we going to the rock that never moves? So Jesus said, not by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In Psalm 37, verse 30, it says, The mouths of the righteous utter wisdom, and their tongues speak what is just. The law of their God is in their hearts, and their feet do not slip. Because of the word of God, how essential is it in your life? What does it become? Where's your hunger? And I say that to you, and I say that to me. So the question is this, how do, we, how do we become better builders, right? How do we not just take some bondo and slap it up against the house? How do we not just temporarily just kind of throw things up there and hope it's going to be okay when the storm hits? That's how we approach our Christian life sometimes. Eh, church is, I might be there, I may not be there. This is going to sound really legalistic for a moment, but think about it. You're like, ah, I'm tired. I'm not going to go. Ah, I don't feel like it today. I'm not going to read. I'm not going to pray. It's just kind of one of those things, right, that's not, it can come or go. That's how we treat it oftentimes, our relationship with the Lord. Eh, okay. But man, when the storm's coming... You know, we don't, we don't treat it as more important than bread. You know, if we don't have bread in the house, right, and you need, some, you need to make a sandwich, what are you doing? You're going to the store. You know, like, eh, well, honey, we have to eat tonight. We need food. You know, it's pretty important. We have to have food to what? Say the word. To survive, to live, yeah, to eat. I'm thinking survival here, right? It's pretty basic stuff. We've got to have food to live. Do we treat the Word of God that way? We think we can go without it. I think it's, eh, whatever. If I get to it, I get to it. Okay, enough of that. How do we become better builders? Meditate on the Word of God. Having it on our lips, like the game the night before. And the only way that that happens is you spent time reading it. 
It's a part of your life. And if you read it, then you talk about it, right? It's like these people that are just amazing at talking about sports. How do they do that? They don't miss Sports Center. There's no way you can watch that many games all the way through, right? So the people that know about this stuff and can talk about it around the water cooler are those that have taken time to watch Sports Center. They saw it in the paper, they're like, hey man, did you see the Cubs the other night? Rough game. Rough game. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, I was paying attention. Some of us are really good at paying attention to all that kind of stuff so we don't look like idiots around the water cooler. But the Word of God, when's the last time that we dug into it? We have to have read it to be able to talk about it right, recently. But what we do is we kind of go back to what we've always known. Well, gee, John 3.16, man. You know, for God so loved. And that's why it becomes boring, right? Everyone's heard that one before. When's there, was there anything new? Was there anything fresh? Some fresh bread. Isn't fresh bread better than some stale old stuff with mold on it? You can't talk about something you haven't read in a while. It just doesn't happen. You can't keep it on your lips. You can't meditate on it if you're not there. Another good way of doing that, of course, is, is memorizing the Word of God. You want something on your lips. I used to, I hate that I have to say used to, take aspects of Scripture, uh, different verses, and I'd write them down on cards and shove them in my pocket. And then when I'm in the grocery store waiting, rather than being like, oh, my gosh, you're paying with a check, People use credit cards now and debit cards faster, you know, and grumbling about what's this new stupid chip thing for? That chip takes longer than it ever used to. Pull out my cards. Just start reading it over and over. You'd be amazed if you just take even just a chapter, one chapter of the Bible. Let me say it's John chapter 1, for example. And just every day you read the same chapter again and again again the things that you'll see but what if you memorize scripture first scripture you ever memorized is psalm 119 11 thy word have i hid my heart that i may not sin against thee that's how old it was in king james okay but it's there it's stuck if you have it in your heart have it in your head you have it on your lips thine word have i hid in my heart that i won't sin against thee if that's the stuff that's in your life if that's what's in your blood that's what comes out right Meditating on the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God. And this really seems pretty, pretty simple and basic. How about read it? <laughs> Question. And this is meant to be a challenge, not to be a shame. How many of you have read the Bible all the way through? Raise your hand. Okay. Only once? I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's important, isn't it? More important than bread. It's life-giving. It's all these things. Read it. And if you've already read it, read it again. Make it your goal, especially if you haven't done it for the first time. And there's some, I'm going to be honest, there's some boring parts. There are some boring parts where it's repetition of how many tribes did this and they gave these bowls and over and over again, but it's in there, okay? But you don't know unless you've tasted all the sauce, all the things that God has to say. Make it a goal and to do it again and again. Participate in some of these Bible studies, you know? How important is this Women's Bible Study Wednesday? Is it, again, like, eh, just the book of Daniel. 
can come and go. Bible and brew. Hopefully it's more than, you're coming for more than the brew. Okay. But, you know, can I pass that up? Eh, I got more important things to do. And it's not that you can't read the Bible on your own. You can't be a part of a study on your own. But there's something about getting together, that encouragement from each other, that, that kind of whips some things into action to say, all right, this is great, and now I'm going to go home and do some more. I'm going to study some more. But then it also gives you a chance to have it on your lips, you know? When you've been reading about it, you talk about it together, it's huge. You know, who wants to watch a football game on their own and never talk to anyone about it? For example, if the Cubs make it in October to the, to the, the let's say finals, I can't even spit out the right words. They get to that point again. You know what, I don't want to keep that all to myself. I want to talk to someone about that. With something like the Word of God, you need to talk to others about it. I want to close by showing you a quick video. That's kind of cool. And then we'll pray. A message from the apocryphal book of love written on my mouth to the eyes and mind of the bride of Christ concerning what has been written down. I'm waiting for you, says the writer. I've spent the entirety of history interacting with humanity who've penned my biography, and I'd love to share it with you. I've sketched outlines of my face in the pages of my book so you can see my wrinkles, more smile lines from rejoicing looks than from a furrowed brow. I even penciled in bags under my eyes so you could see how they formed from an eternity of watching my loved ones hour by hour. It's all there says the writer. You need only look a little longer at the genius of Genesis, how I patched you into the genius of existence. You exist because of Exodus. Forty years I spent with your ancestors in the wilderness. Study my writing, says the writer, so you don't make the mistakes they did. I've hidden myself in Leviticus. Try to find me and I'll whisper secrets in your ear once you do. I've proved my desire in Jeremiah. Come meet me inside the dry papyra and I'll show you how I pursued my people though they left me when they found some power to acquire. Listen to the writer. I've painted my every feature in the creases of this tome. Curl up with me and see what I have shown. Tears from the flood, my correcting and guiding rod. Wings that stretch up above, showing that I'm enough. See my face in the pages of love. I wrote history so you'd know my law. I wrote poetry so you'd feel my touch. I wrote prophecy so you'd hear my tongue. I wrote in the first century so you'd know I've come. And I wrote eternal truth in bright red so you'd see the passion of my blood. Get to know me, says the writer, for I formed the universe so I can get to know you. Study the curves of my form as you learn the shapes of my words. Open my mouth. I want to tell you intimate things. Loosen my lips. Let my white teeth pages move free. Don't still my tongue. Spend hours listening with your eyes as you read. Learn the tenor of my voice so when I speak, you'll know it's me. The 
writer pleads, I'm here to rescue you from the lines of what it means to study. Don't come to the mouth of the mighty one to memorize, summarize, identify, or justify, but let me surprise you. It's not a place for arguments, dogmatics, apologetics, or mathematics. Let me define you. Spend time with the audible divine. Contemplate, meditate, examinate, communicate. Let me inside you. I'm here, says the writer. Within ancient ink there is a living God. Stare deeply as you read my eyes, and I'll whisper to you of outrageous ways to consider what the Word of God is, is a love letter. Uh, I pray that our passion grows stronger to spend time with Him. Would you stand with me and, and let's pray together today? Lord Jesus, we thank you. So grateful for the love that you show us. Lord, if there's anything worth knowing, it's, it's your words. Lord, forgive us for saying we're too busy. Forgive us for making other things more important. More, there's nothing more important than you. Lord, we're, we're thankful for the grace that you show us where, where it's like, it's okay, but let's do something about it today. Lord, teach us more about you. Help us to have a, uh, a hunger like we used to have or like we've never had before to really spend time in your word, to learn from you, to grow, and put it most importantly into action. Lord, help us to spend so much time with you that that you're just naturally on our lips. We just want to talk about you. We want to talk about what you said. We want to discuss what you said over here and what you said over there and, and how do we do this and how do we do that. Lord, we pray that you make us people like that. Lord, help us to be more like you. We love you. We're just grateful for all that you are. Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, that if we live according to your word, Lord, that we will be strong. Lord, that the house doesn't fall, the foundation remains firm. Help us to, to live life according to your word so we can stand strong, so we can know joy and hope and love and peace and all these things. And Lord, before we go, we, we just lift up to you, Lord, all the people that are in the path of a real windy, rainy storm. Lord, we pray that you'd be with the people in Florida right now, Lord, that you would protect them. Lord, that you meet their needs. Lord, that you bring those that uh, are, are traveling, if they're still traveling at this point, to safety. Lord, those that have for whatever reason, decided to stay. Lord, I pray your protection upon them. Lord, we just pray that 
the food, the bread, the water, the shelter, the safety that's needed, Lord, that you take care of those. Lord, we pray that you continue to be with those in Texas. And Lord, uh, for other storms to come, I know there's another one even behind this one. Lord, we trust in you. You are our rock. Lord, help us to be strong in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen.